and welcome to the Powerhouse Politics Podcast from ABC News. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and tune in. And wherever else you get your podcasts, subscribe to our feed. Please write us a review. Give us a few stars. Rick, what the heck are we going to talk about today? Yeah, there's no news. We should just wrap up uh, and be done. (laughs) So I I was trying to keep a running list of the people and things that Donald Trump had insulted since the conventions. But honestly, I've run out of room on my paper. Uh, Well, let's let's just try to go through a few. First of all, there's crying babies. There's Well, crying babies are sort of the capper. But yes, uh, gold star families. Uh, He's been going after Ted Cruz and John Kasich. He's added to that list, uh, of course, uh, Paul Ryan as well as John McCain. Uh, and uh, this is in addition to calling Hillary Clinton the devil this week and saying that he always oh, yeah. wanted the Purple Heart. Uh, this is the moment in the campaign that a lot of Republicans have been predicting would come at some point. It just happens to happen at a really inconvenient time for the Republican Party right after they've nominated uh, their their guy, 100 days out, and it looks like a meltdown in the Republican Party. We have Paul Ryan, Kelly Ayotte. And by the way, the Purple Heart comment uh, got him into a war with the veterans of foreign wars. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a group you really want to be uh, battling with uh, going into a general election, uh, particularly as a Republican. Uh, it, it's just absolutely astounding. And, and we should let you know we're going to bring Mary Bruce in a little bit. Mary Bruce course, uh, is our correspondent on Capitol Hill and has a great line on what the heck the congressional Republicans are thinking all of, uh, about this. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I just can't say it enough. And, and of course, we reported on Good Morning America this morning that the leadership at the Republican National Committee is basically besides themselves. Yeah. We have Reince Priebus described to me as being Furious, having uh, repeatedly gone to Donald Trump to try to get him to apologize to the Khan family, outraged that he has absolutely no message discipline and that he is at risk of not just bringing down his own campaign, but Republicans up and down the ballot. And then he goes out and in that interview with the Washington Post said he's not quite ready to endorse uh, Ryan's previous his good friend and the top Republican elected official in, official in the land, uh, you know, Paul Ryan. Yeah, and there was a political um, – I don't call it a political sin in here in, in not endorsing Ryan and John McCain. But I, all of that really did was just open up the floodgates against him over the comments about the Gold Star family, the, the, the battle that began at the, at the Democratic convention on Thursday night. Um, and that, it, of course, that Mr. Trump decided to engage in in the interview with our colleague George Stephanopoulos over the weekend. It has made this into a, a bizarre four or five day story where he is not apologizing. And you're starting to see the defections, John. You've seen prominent uh, aides and staff members to Jeb Bush as well as to Chris Christie, come out and say that they're actually going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Meg Whitman, the uh, prominent former Silicon Valley executive and gubernatorial candidate in California, coming out and saying she will raise money for Hillary Clinton. Uh, the first uh, elected in-office uh, Republican House member from upstate New York who's come on board and said he is also going to work against Donald Trump. This is the wheels coming off. And it, you know, this is a moment that the Republican Party had hoped, would hope, to be looking outward. Instead, it's looking inward. It's looking in a mirror, and it's not liking what it's seeing. And that's why you see full-scale panic. They feel like before it's too late, they need to right the ship. They need to get Donald Trump back on track. It just may be that there is no set of tracks that can contain him. 
Trump's behavior has had a lot of people speculating about whether or not he really wants the job, whether or not he really wants to see this campaign through. It's one thing when that speculation is out in Internet land. But I am told that the Republican National Committee, senior officials, top Republicans have been looking into what would happen if Donald Trump decided to drop out of the race. Listen to that. Just let that sink in for a second. They're thinking about what they would do if their nominee suddenly decided, ah, the heck with it. Let's uh, let's not do this. <laughs> yeah, and, and they can't replace him unless he, he gets out under his own power or there's a, right. a, a medical issue. They can't push him out. They right. can't force him out. Right. But But they do have a mechanism for replacing him if he voluntarily gets out. And it's a fascinating process. It's too complicated to do in one podcast. But the, but the <laughs> bottom line is, the bottom line is that the nominee would be chosen by 168 people who happen to be members of the Republican National Committee, the actual committee, the C in RNC. Uh, these 168 people, who by and large are unknown to the to the, to the broader public, including uh, to, to to you and I, although we certainly know some of them, um, but they would be. Uh, charged with choosing a replacement. Uh, we we did have this happen on the Democratic side in 1972 when George McGovern decided he wanted to uh, to, to replace his running mate uh, Thomas Eagleton, and the, uh, the, the 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 Democratic National Committee you know came up with Sergeant Shriver as, as as a late replacement. But this has never happened on the Republican side, and certainly has never happened with with the top person in, in either party. I mean, it's crazy. That's, now, look, I, I don't think there's anybody that seriously thinks that Trump is going to drop out. But there are a heck of a lot of people who think it's hell. Not it could happen. The fact that they're even thinking about it, and you know, a lot of this, John. I mean, there's a couple of different strands that come together here. One is the the fears that even the Republicans are saying, like, I just don't trust the guy as commander in chief. And that plays out in its own way and say, look, I need to be able to look my kids and my grandkids in the eye and say that I, I stood up for some kind of a principle. The other thing, frankly, it's the polls. Uh, if Donald Trump was, was leading by 10 instead of losing by 10 right now, I, I think people would be a lot quieter. But it's the combination of things. It was a messy convention. It was the polling bounce that that Hillary Clinton got after a very tightly run and successful by by just about any measure convention. And then the the inability for Donald Trump to not make news in a bad sort of way. I mean, you imagine the alternate scenario where he had spent the, the last couple of days at Mar-a-Lago golfing instead of giving interviews <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 uh, and and riffing uh, at oh, events. Oh, yeah. We, we, we'd be talking about Hillary lying about uh, what, what, what right. FBI director – Comey said about her emails. I mean, she came out on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace and said Comey said that what she said has been the truth, was the truth. And, and Comey said no such thing at all. Um, it's, it's almost like a, you know, opposite day there. And uh, we, we'd be talking about Barack Obama coming out and saying and acknowledging that they didn't think through the intervention in Libya, uh, which, of course, was that was Hillary Clinton's portfolio. We'd, we'd be talking about the meltdown at the DNC. But I'm glad you brought up the polling Bounce. We have a new Fox News poll uh, just out that shows a 10-point lead for Hillary Clinton. But more importantly, it shows a five-point bounce since the Democratic convention. And, Rick, I, I just want you to understand how this stuff is done, how this political analysis stuff is done. If you go back to this week and you look at the roundtable, you, you'll recall – I'm sure you, you, you've already thought about this. Uh, George asked me directly – what kind of a bounce Hillary Clinton would have coming out of the convention? And I said five points. It's important to be precise in these things. <laughs> Wait, I mean, you know, I didn't, the, I didn't say four points. I didn't say six points. I said five points. Was this the same show where you said there'd be electoral tie 
269 that Warren Buffett is that the you're, you're you're misquoting me a little bit. I I just think you predicted that. I just saying I I saw that. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that you have the precision around around the bounce. That's I, that's I just impressive. want you to understand how it's done. And you, you can learn. You're, you're still you know you're still getting your sea legs. I, I appreciate this I political appreciate, analysis stuff. I appreciate uh, the advice. Uh, it's just important to be precise. Did uh, you did did you also call the fight with the baby? Did you also say on the show that Trump would kick a baby out of his rally? Because if you nailed that one. <laughs> That I have to. That kind of took me by surprise. Yeah, that's I, a new one. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. But that's what makes Trump a special candidate. You know, he can he can really reach back and. Uh, I mean, can you imagine? I, I anyway. I I can't. Uh, let's get back to Chris Christie for a second because we we've had you mentioned the defections, the Republican defections. But what's interesting is you have seen that there haven't been a lot of Republican elected and former elected officials who have supported Trump, uh, strongly and and you know, consistently. But but those officials have been people like Scott Brown, Chris Christie, Newt Gingrich. And you have seen all of them now come out and criticize him over his handling of the cons and the, the con family. And that that is actually to me the the, the, the biggest and brightest sign of meltdown and trouble in the Trump camp. To yeah, me. I mean, he he did something Rudy that, Giuliani too. Rudy I mean it's he did something that was inexplicable, and then he made it inexcusable by not apologizing for it and, and by extending it and by continuing to fight. And Trump likes to call himself a counterpuncher, but he doesn't know when to stop punching. And that is a downfall, and that is what is just enormously frustrating. I mean, to get into a fight with the family member of a slain service member and then to continue to hit it well after the the story could have gone away it it made this a different kind of of battle than the ones that he's fought from you know everyone from John McCain to Megan Kelly and Heidi Cruz up through the pope this was different he finally found a foe that he couldn't he couldn't really punch at because he was getting punched back and it was hurting him and and, it, and that's what made for this extraordinary thing where just everyone says this 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 just can't stand but what do you make of Christie who's obviously lobbied so hard to, uh, to to be the running mate uh, who defended Trump. I mean, he's one of the few people that actually came out and actively and and strongly defended Trump against the uh, you know during the whole Mexican judge fiasco. But now you have his longtime spokesperson uh, come out, Maria Camella, come out and say that she's going to vote uh, for Hillary Clinton, and Meg Whitman, uh, who was his you know chief fundraiser and longtime right. ally. Uh, come out and saying that she's not only going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but she's going to help Hillary Clinton raise money. And that is, that's getting into the inner circle for Chris Christie. Does that happen without a Chris Christie sign-off? Uh, uh, I mean, what, do you think there's any chance that we see Chris Christie go rogue at some point? Is he starting to get you know cold feet? Gosh, I can't imagine Christie doing it. But I, you have—I had this vision of Chris Christie convening some of his top aides and saying, essentially, "Vote your conscience." Uh, you know, I can't defend this guy anymore and do the Ted Cruz thing. And we should talk about Cruz too. I mean, he—he he got vilified for his speech at the Republican National Committee. I, I don't know that this by itself resuscitates or proves him right in any way, because I think there's a lot of Republicans still very upset with with his behavior a few weeks ago in Cleveland. But uh, he's got to be sitting there saying, "Told you so." Hey Boy, guys, you know, if, if, if this continues to spiral out of control, having been booed and shouted out of Donald Trump's convention might not be a bad thing, uh, you know, a year from now. 
So we've got Mary here. Do you want to bring her in? Or? You have what? Who? Mary Bruce? Yeah. Did let's you... l- let's let's take a quick break because I need to I need to get kind of ready. You know, I mean, you want to be ready for a Mary Bruce uh, discussion. Watch out. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Back soon with the Powerhouse Politics Podcast. There's a new answer for people in need of serious pain relief. Lidocare has created a -a one-of-a-kind pain relief patch that blocks pain for up to eight hours. With the only non-water-based lidocaine patch on the market, Lidocare uses patent-pending technology to desensitize aggravated nerves for an odor-free, ultra-flexible, dry, and light solution to pain. The Lidocare Pain Patch from the makers of Blue Emu. For long-lasting relief, you can wear. Available at CVS. Hey, it's Rick again. If you like our podcast and you want to check out some others from ABC News, check out abcnewspodcasts.com. There's a little something for everyone over there. So take a look, tell your friends, and happy listening. Okay, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. Rick, I understand you, uh, I'm coming to you from New York. Rick, you're down in D.C., and I understand we have a guest. We do indeed. It is Mary Bruce, our congressional correspondent, and uh, Mary... Mary and I spent a lot of time together with the conventions and all this, and now you're back on the Hill. Uh, everyone is talking about one man who's at the center of all of this now, Mary. Paul, Who could that be? Paul Ryan. So, so let's let's lay it, lay this out for a second. He's got, his primary election is is Tuesday. It is Tuesday coming up? Uh, most people think he's going to be fine, but he doesn't know that for sure. And out comes Donald Trump and says, eh, or "Not Donald there yet." Does not come out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So what what is going on in in Ryan world right now? It is this amazing uh, – many people would think it's, it's a political tit for tat here. Paul Ryan, remember, essentially put everything uh, in many ways out on the line, came out, and yes, after a fair amount of, of public hemming and hawing, did back Donald Trump, recognizing – uh, the the strong feelings of primary voters and, you know, has pretty much been on board the Trump train. Yes, he has in, in multiple occasions come out uh, and very publicly, you know, sort of finger wagged at, at Donald Trump and, and, and censured him for some comments that he's made. But he has been supporting Donald Trump. And now Donald Trump yesterday comes out and says, eh, not so fast. He's not ready to actually back Paul Ryan in return, which is just astounding. And it really is this like open warfare in the Republican Party between essentially the the leader of the Republican Party on Capitol Hill, the leader of the establishment party, and now the Republican nominee for president. I mean, I just don't think there's anything even similar that you can point to in the past. And then to add another wrinkle to it, um, you had Paul Ryan's camp come out yesterday and say, look, we never even asked for his endorsement, (laughs) which then gets into a a tricky back and forth because the Trump people suggested, yes, he had asked for it, and they're withholding it. Trump himself says, well, everyone wants my endorsement. Of course they do. Well, of course, I mean, Rick, I think think Rick Klein wants Trump's endorsement. I, I don't know for what. But, you know, not only did Paul Ryan come out and endorse Donald Trump, but he spoke at his convention and mentioned his name. (laughs) <laughs> Actually mentioned his name. You know, see, we, we, we have some people come out, you know, Rick Perry come out and give a speech at the convention and forget to actually mention the words uh, Donald Trump. Um, we, we had we had Ted Cruz come out and he, he did say the words Donald Trump but forgot the word endorse. But, you know, he, he, but here's the thing, Mary. My sense out of Ryan World, and I would love to know your feeling as our designated Ryan whisperer here. <laughs> My sense is that Paul Ryan, that uh, he – People close to him don't rule out the possibility that he could unendorse Donald Trump. Now, he would never do it over himself. He would never do it as a, you know, in a fit of pique that, that he didn't, you know, that, that, that Trump didn't endorse him. But that, you know, 
more of this kind of unraveling that, that you know, that these people close to Ryan have suggested it's not impossible he can unendorse. Well, what's your sense? Is that even a remote possibility? Oh, I think it, it may even be more than a remote possibility, but I think you're right. I think you have to look past Tuesday because what he doesn't want, at least the Ryan camp, I get the sense, doesn't want this to, this tit-for-tat thing to continue. They can't, if Ryan does go ahead and make that rather, you know, what would be jaw-dropping announcement of, of rescinding his endorsement of Donald Trump, they don't want that anywhere near his own race, which he is expected to win, you know, as you point out. So I think you wait. They wait until Tuesday. I think if the Trump campaign is still in this sort of massive self-inflicted political freefall that we're seeing. If that continues through next week, it's entirely possible. And remember that despite saying repeatedly over and over again that Paul Ryan is not interested uh, in, in running for president, he has no interest in that position. No, you know, when you, when, you, when you couple what is going on between Ryan and Trump and, and some of your reporting on, on, on the, the Republican Party and the RNC's concerns around Trump at this point, uh, you know, the, the, the wheels start to turn and you start to wonder, could you really have a massive shakeup in the next three months, 98 days, 97 days, whatever we are now? And at that convention or that non-convention with all those RNC members, who do you think they turn to other than Paul Ryan? But, but enter into this. Mike Pence. Oh, yeah, uh, that guy. Enter Mike, Mike Pence. So Mike Pence. He's the running mate, right? He's the guy. I, I, last I heard, yeah. it, there's, a, there's a rumor to that effect. So he, he served with Paul Ryan in the House. They're very close. Right. And a, a day after Trump says, I'm not endorsing because I'm not quite there yet, Mike Pence says, I am endorsing. And Trump told me that I should go ahead and endorse. How do you square that? How okay, does that but, work? You know, but, but you have to think about this. So Mike Pence, the running mate has come out – this is the third time since he was chosen, the third time over the past week or so. He's only been the running meet for two weeks. So yes. It's, OK. It's been around the, that long. Uh, that he has come out to basically undo something that Donald Trump has done. So he came out. He you know, talked about his respect for the Khan family in a, in a statement. The Russian hacking thing after just within – you know, within minutes of Trump, you know, well, well, now says joking, but but Trump saying saying Russians should go in and get Hillary's deleted emails. Uh, he comes out and he denounces any Russian interference in our election, and now he comes out and says, "Yes, I am endorsing not just Paul Ryan, but Paul Ryan and John McCain." I mean, it's like this two different. I mean. Uh, Two different campaigns. It's unbelievable. He's vice presidential candidate slash cleaner upper fixer of various, you know, internal party conflicts. But what I don't understand is how Paul, you know, Mike Pence can come out and say not just that he supports Paul Ryan, but that Donald Trump encouraged him to support Paul Ryan. But no, 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 no. Donald Trump is still not ready himself to go that far. The the, the definition of gray area is being uh, redefined, I think, in the, the guy last... does have some nice gray hair. I mean, you got oh, to oh. acknowledge uh, <laughs> No, but it's it's uh, you know usually you put aside your differences. Uh, the you know it's, it, we always do the story. You know the running mate. There's always inevitably there's contrasting positions. I mean with with Pence and Trump, there are many to choose from. You know uh, particularly on, on on the issue of trade, but you know usually you put those aside. The running mate kind of defers to the to, to the person on the top of the ticket. But in this case, you have a running mate who is proactively taking positions that are contrary to what the person at the top of the ticket is doing. And then you hear Paul Manafort uh, going out and speaking at a remarkable interview on on Fox News, by the way, where he keeps referring to Donald Trump as the candidate, as if it's just like this kind of being, this entity up there. (laughs) Well, the candidate says this, the candidate does this, and the candidate's in charge, and the candidate – I mean – 
I don't know. But the question is, uh, where does it go? To, how do they write the ship? Do they write the ship? Well, that would require him to, to not make news for 24 or 48 hours. I, he still has a, an opportunity here to make the case against Hillary Clinton. That's what it comes down to. The fundamentals of this race haven't changed. There are two unpopular candidates. It, it feels like in the moment right now, things are spiraling out of control. But if he's able to hunker down for it uh, and, and just limit the damage, these Republicans, they want to support him. John and Mary, you guys know this. They, there are a few Republicans who are actively looking to undermine Donald Trump. They would love to support a guy that they think they could win that would represent some of their principles. That, that is the default position. He's pushed them in another direction. But I got to tell you, my sense uh, again of, of where the the kind of the, where the feeling is among those in Paul Ryan's orbit is that they think that Trump is a losing candidate. They have thought that for a long time. Uh, that they had to do the endorsement because they had to protect their their down ballot races. That's where the focus is. That's where the emphasis is. They just need Trump not to lose by too much. Exactly. And as you mentioned, they're now pretty much completely just focused on those down ballot races. That is where they're going to be putting all of their attention. I mean, even in the last few months when, you know, you desperately try to get an answer out of Paul Ryan's campus to why is he supporting Donald Trump, even though week after week it seems he has to come out and say that he disagrees with him on all of these various issues, it's simply because they he's not Hillary Clinton and because they feel that Paul Ryan's agenda has the best chance, he'll say it, the best chance of becoming a reality underneath a Republican president. And they don't – at this point, they're just trying to separate themselves as much as possible from Donald Trump, even if he does – Paul Ryan does continue to support him and doesn't rescind his endorsement. What does that look like over the next few months if you have the Rep- a Republican Party that's, you know, on board but eh, not really? Well, that's – and my question is, is who – makes that move. I mean, we've seen, as we mentioned, a kind of obscure congressman from New York who, who made the move, Meg Whitman. But who beyond that? Even if you put aside the possibility, and I, I want to belittle the, the possibility that someone would just say for the good of the country, but just for, for pure political reasons, is it Rob Portman in, in Ohio? Is it Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania? Um, is, it, is it Marco Rubio who gets fed up with this? Is it someone who does the active unendorsement thing that I gave you this chance. John McCain would seem perfectly suited for this, although he's got his own primary that in a state that went big for Trump. Uh, so he doesn't know that he doesn't necessarily want to poke this bear. But does someone, Mary, does someone stand up at some point and say someone in, the, in a major role and say, I cannot support this man? I know I said it before, but he has proven my worst fears wrong. Absolutely. And I think that's a conversation that's happening all over this town right now. The question is just who goes first and how much cover, depending on who that person is, do they give to every other Republican who's thinking the same thing? It's, you know, right now you can see all of these lawmakers lining up and they're uh, teetering on the edge. It's just who jumps first and can everybody else jump after them? But I got to tell you, I I don't think it. I mean, I, I think the Trump's behavior, the lack of discipline in his campaign, I think all this is taking a toll. Clearly, I mean, we're, we're starting already to see it, see it in the polls. But I don't think that a wave of unendorsements would hurt Trump anymore. <laughs> That's a great I really point. don't. That's such a good point. You know, Trump in many ways holds the holds well, forgive me, but holds holds the Trump card here because he knows that the approval of Congress is even lower than the approval of even lower than the number of people who think the country is going in the right direction. I mean, Congress's approval rating is nil, and you could see that one possibility for Trump is to basically make his campaign kind of what it was during the primaries, which is I'm running against Hillary Clinton, I'm running against the Democrats, and I'm also running against those full Republicans who have controlled Congress for the last several years. I am running against the entire establishment, Democrat and Republican. It's 
broken. It needs to be fixed. It needs a true outsider. You may not agree with me on everything. I may fly off the handle a little bit. You may think I'm a little bit uh, uh, unsteady. But we need somebody who can go in and break things so that we can build anew. That could be the Donald Trump message for the fall. And, you know, it's, it's a, it is essentially the message that brought him through the primaries. And isn't that in many ways the big conundrum facing so many Republican leaders is that they recognize and they know that Donald Trump has tapped into some very real frustrations, angers, concerns out there amongst Republican voters. And congressional leaders want to be able to harness that. They want to be able to represent those people, but they also want to stay true to their Republican conservative values and how to bridge that, especially when they feel like any bridge that they build keeps getting blown up by Donald Trump (laughs) and his campaign. It's a little bit difficult. And speaking of bridges, Trump actually came out with a policy pronouncement uh, on, you know, we we had so little policy in this campaign, but he said in terms of infrastructure spending that he would spend twice as much as Hillary Clinton. Can you imagine Republican heads exploding all over town? He's talking about spending more than Hillary Clinton on infrastructure. They were already exploded, John. I mean, there's... but, but, But this gets to the core of what it means to be a conservative Republican. So, you know, the, 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 you know, the conspiracy theory, the, the, the sense of those that have never that have never trusted Trump from the beginning on the Republican side is he's not really a conservative. It was the core of Cruz's case against him, that this is a guy that is, it is, is it at heart a Democrat, New York values, big spending, socially liberal, who's been pretending to, uh, you know, to be a conservative to get the Republican nomination. And here he comes out. And his, you know, one policy pronouncement since the convention. And what does he want to do? He wants more deficit spending. A lot, a lot more spending. I, I, and there's an element, and I think you guys both touch on this, but the, 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 he does not think he needs the establishment. He won despite the establishment. And even now, if you go back to what he said in his acceptance speech just two weeks ago, feels like two years ago, but just two weeks ago, where he says, I am the only one. I alone can fix it. I am your voice. This is... That's the campaign. That is it. That and and the thing is, if if he if he wants to be affirmed on that, go to a Donald Trump rally because the people at Donald Trump rallies still think Trump is is amazing and that uh, and that and that Captain Khan was a traitor in some way. I mean, there's such ugly stuff out there about his opponents and positive stuff about him. And if that's what he comes into contact with and that's what he believes is the truth, then it's not going to be Chris Christie chiding him or Paul Ryan or. Newt Gingrich or Scott Brown, none of those voices are going to – Reince Priebus, none of those voices are going to matter to a guy that thinks he got there despite them and thinks he is attuned to the, the hopes and fears and aspirations and, and paranoia of, of, of the people. So that's the, what you get with Trump. It should not be surprising to anyone that's watched, and he has tapped into it to great effect and an incredible explosion across the political landscape. But that's Trump being Trump. Okay, we're almost out of time, but we have two things we haven't even touched on. Actually, we've had a lot we haven't even touched on. But 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 very quickly, one is you know Trump's statements on the issue of sexual harassment that uh, that I think that in any other situation we would have spent the last half hour talking about would be dominating coverage of the campaign right now, and also his uh, statements already that the election is going to be rigged, uh, which Rick, you and I have discussed this I think just about every time we have an election. It's the first candidate, the first candidate that cries irregularities, who who accuses uh, the other side of cheating, is 
invariably the candidate that loses. You usually don't see it till election day itself when people talk about, you know, somebody locked out of polling or, you know, some. But we have here months in advance of the election and Trump is already crying foul that, that the other side is cheating. That's right. And, and actually, I think the implications of it are really troubling because it, it sets up a situation where the folks at Trump rallies and Trump supporters uh, are, are not going to buy this election. Look, you can still find people in pockets of the Internet that think that Ohio was stolen from John Kerry. You can still find people sure. that think you know, they'll point to precincts in, 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 in the Midwest that had no, no Romney votes and that it was stolen. But you know what? John Kerry conceded. Mitt Romney conceded. You move on. That's that's it took fundamental. Took them both a little bit of time. But yes, you're right. But that's what. But it, do you, does anyone think now, November 9th, November tenth, is Donald Trump going to say, you know what, the people have spoken, and I lost fair and square. I congratulate my opponent. I want to work with him uh, or yeah. with her. I, I I just can't imagine those words escaping his lips, Mary. It's also just amazing that you are what a, a week, two weeks into the general election, and you're already predicting an outcome. I mean, it, like, the, the timing of it is just astonishing. And it gives free license to people, to his supporters, to revolt, essentially, against any potential loss that may or may not come in three months. It's and, riling people up w- without any, any basis for it. And, and, and these sexual harassment comments, how, how does this play out? How does this play out? It is pretty remarkable. And, and I do think that, that the... They dug themselves into an even deeper hole by trying to, to fix this, by putting uh, Eric Trump out to comment on it. I mean, in many ways, Donald Trump's best spokesperson, I would think, on a number of issues, but especially on women's issues, is Ivanka. And, and I was surprised that they didn't put her out sooner on this. But also to be even having this discussion a week after the historic nomination of the first woman president from a major party, it's just it's whiplash for a lot of women voters. Um, and. It will be interesting to see uh, the dent that I suspect it creates in his numbers amongst that very important electorate. And he's already doing considerably worse among women oh, yeah. uh, than, than Mitt Romney did. And Mitt Romney, as you guys may recall, I don't know if you remember this, Rick, but Rick Romney win? lost oh, the, uh, right. the, the last election. <laughs> um, unbelievable. Well, look, we, we, are, we are out of time. Uh, Rick, we understand that you're actually going to be gone next week. Is that true? No. It's not okay, true. Okay, you got good. bad information. I'll be here. Sorry. Okay. You're trying to kick me out. This is how I found I got fired, John. What is this about? I hate to break it to you this way. <laughs> that is just outrageous. That is outrageous. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. Mary Bruce, thank you for once again thank kind you. of lightening up this podcast and, uh, and, and bringing some intelligence, some wit, you know, and, and, and a little bit of a contrast to what we get from, uh, from Rick Klein. Rick? You control the show so you get to say things like that. But thank you, Mary. Why, thank you. I'll come All right. Anytime. Check us again next week. And remember, uh, sign up for us on iTunes, Stitcher, all those other things we have. And please rate us. Give us a bunch of stars, six, seven, eight, nine stars, whatever you can give us. And thanks for listening.